Our Heavenly Father, uh, again we ask that uh, as your word is read and explained, that by your spirit it might continue to have the power to change and convict us. Our Lord, tonight is not about us. It is about the loss in this world. And so whatever we do, may we ever be so conscious of the people who have no opportunity to hear your word uh, and to receive eternal life. Uh, so help us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, how do you decide uh, what movie to watch or which movie to watch or which Netflix series that you're going to binge on? Uh, here's how our family decide. Right? We, we check out, we do our research, we check out the ratings. Uh, and when the ratings are good, you know that that's worth your time because we are all time poor. We don't want to spend four hours watching something. We go, oh, that's just a waste of time. Uh, and so ratings are really important, isn't it? Uh, the story that we are about to hear tonight from Jesus has a triple A rating. And if you are in the finance world, you know what I'm talking about. If a product, a financial product is rated triple A, it's therefore considered to be absolutely reliable and safe. And so this story of Jesus is absolutely reliable and true. Uh, and if you understand this story, it will change your life. Uh, Jesus told this story in response to criticism that he received uh, for befriending and associating with sinners. So if you open your Bible to chapter 15, right at the beginning there, uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were muttering under their breath, right? They, they didn't come outright to criticize Jesus, but they were like, mur, 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 oh, yeah, this man, that's what they were doing. Um, very damaging, in, in fact. You know, it's the kind of gossip that goes around. Uh, but Jesus was accused of being too friendly with sinners. Uh, the term sinner itself requires a bit of explanation. Uh, sinners refer to people, uh, not just who are, you know, we think they're doing you know, wrong things, but sinners in the Bible refer to people who have fallen short of God's holiness. Uh, and the Bible is quite clear that all of us are in that category. All of us have fallen short of God's holy standard, right? including the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who are at this point in time muttering about Jesus. Jesus welcomes sinners. Jesus eats with sinners. What's wrong with him? And therefore, in response to that, Jesus tells, uh, Jesus told them a series of three stories. Right? You know that this is really important when Jesus had to tell three parables to make a point. And it is the same point that Jesus is making. Uh, the loss are important to God. And therefore, the loss are important to us. That's his priority. Jesus came for the loss. Not just those who are morally safe and upright. Uh, not just, you know, Jesus didn't come for those who are deviant in our opinion. No. He came for everyone. Right? Not just for those who are not considered to be on the straight and narrow. And so that's a really important message. That Jesus came for the loss. Uh, and the loss are important. And I think today, some of us, many of us need to be reminded of that again, including myself, right? It's a reminder that we think of a church, this is what the church is for. Uh, the church is a place for the lost, not just for the saved. The church is not a cruise ship, right? 
uh, the church is a rescue vessel, right? pulling out people and rescuing them. And so there is this common theme that runs through these three stories, uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And in each of these, right, you know, the majority were left behind and that one lost person was pursued. Uh, and so the last story, the lost son, really is the climax. This is the third of the, the, the series. Uh, and I like to summarize the, this story with three headings, all beginning with the alphabet A, uh, hence what I call the triple A story. All right, so firstly, this is a story about the youngest son, autonomy. Right? The word autonomy means self-rule, self Governance, as auto, self, normos, law. Uh, and so if you want autonomy, essentially you want to decide for yourself, independent of any other references or being or God or power. No, you, are, you decide for yourself what's right, what's wrong. Here you see the, sons, the younger son's autonomy. Read with me at verse 12. The younger son, right, so the two sons, the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Uh, and not only that, you know, after, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, sold it off, and set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Uh, and after he had spent Everything, all right, life took a turn, all right, there was a severe famine, uh, and then he found himself in need. He had to work, but he was mistreated. You know, the citizen of the country sent him to feed pigs. Uh, if, if you are a Jew, that's a, you can't get lower than that, right? Pigs are dirty. That's, that's a real uh, despised thing for a Jew to do. And so here we have the son, you know, expressing his desire to be autonomous. Uh, autonomy is not the same uh, as wanting to be independent or wanting to become mature and take responsibility for oneself. That's good. That's what God wants us to do. Uh, autonomy is something else. Like I say, it's deciding that the self, the person, is the final basis for deciding what is right and what is wrong. Uh, instead of God, of course. So here, the younger son is making an autonomous decision. Uh, he does not want to be ruled by his father. He decided to move as far away from his father as possible to want to have nothing to do with the father. So the Bible tells us that, yeah, we're all sinners, and therefore we have all made the decision to be autonomous from God. Uh, and so this is a really important point. So important because we might listen to the story and go, yeah, I'll never do that. Yeah, I'll never tell my father, yeah, you know, can you die first? Can you die now? Um, we're not that extreme. But nevertheless, you know, each of us in our hearts are seeking to be autonomous from God. Well, we may never do exactly what the son did, and yet I'm pretty sure all of us have that same sinful desire. So yes, what the son did was extreme. He wanted his share of inheritance, effectively saying to dad, to his father, is dead. I can't wait till you drop off the perch. Can you just kind of hurry up, move along? 
Uh, he decided that he wants to experience life away from his father. He sold off his share. He migrated to some faraway places, Europe maybe, where he's sure that his father would not look over his shoulder. And there he lived out his life mantra and motto, which is, what do you think his life and mantra is, motto is? Just do it. Just do it. You know, no regrets. Uh, you want to experience everything in life. Uh, I want it now, maybe. Look, here's the important thing. Like Again, I say we may or may not decide to do exactly what the son did, but yet in our hearts, we know that you know, we're all capable of it. Deep down, we want to have the same autonomy from God because we're wired that way. That's what Satan, that's what Satan tempts humanity with right at the beginning. Right? So, yes, Adam and Eve... Uh, was tempted by Satan. Uh, by, you know, Satan deceived Adam and Eve into thinking that God does not like it when we are autonomous. God, doesn't, God wants to keep this good thing from you. And as a result of that, humanity chose to believe in Satan instead of God. And what happened is that what Satan did was to sow a deep-seated distrust in God. So that when we see God's ruling, God's command, we have this deep-seated fear that here is God trying to control us. Here is God not wanting to have, you know, the good things in life. Now, the problem with human autonomy, wanting to be separate from God, wanting to rule our life apart from God, is that we are not capable of doing that. Just look at the mess that we are having in our world. We, are, we don't have what it takes to rule the world. We, are, we don't have control over everything uh, in this world. Uh, and so as it turns out, life sometimes takes an uncertain turn. Uh, he found himself in trouble because there was a famine. Uh, similarly, in our life, we find that there are things in life that are outside of our control. So for example, in our Aussie context, we could say that it was, there would be a drought. Uh, maybe there's a drought, there's a severe bushfire Un, totally unexpected, and all of a sudden, you know, all your land, all your investment, all your house, it just goes up in flames. I think what's happening in our current context is a reminder that, yeah, we are not, we don't have everything under control, isn't it? If what we seek in life is ultimately autonomy from God, then at at the end of the day, it's very selfish, self-centered. And the problem is we find ourselves not in control. Uh, we might find ourselves lonely, destitute, just like the sun. But there is a good news. The good news is that it's never too late to turn back and return, right? which is what the sun did from verse 17. Right? When he came to his senses. I just love how the Bible describes repentance. When he came back to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants had food to spare. Right? He started to realize that, you know, actually, his father is compassionate. And so he made his decision to, to repent, to go back to his father and ask for forgiveness. Repentance means returning to God, the Father, acknowledging the sin. So here, the, you know, this is how he, he expresses remorse 
and his commitment to change. I have sinned against heaven and against you. A beautiful statement there. Sin isn't just this violation of, violation of a universal principle or rule. No, sin is a violation against a personal God. As in God is personally offended by sin. As in our wrongdoing hurt God. And therefore, when we confess our sin, we also confess the fact not just that we did something wrong, but that our relationship with God is broken as a result of that. And so, because we, sin separates us from God, right? We belong to God, He loves us, uh, and as a result of that sin, uh, the separation is there. But what repentance does, what confession does, is that we restore that, that relationship to us. So the loss matters to God because it's a personal relationship that he has with them. You matter to God. And so therefore, we all should repent, all of us, of our autonomy against God. It's still not too late. Uh, scripture says, come to your senses. Come to your senses. How many of us think that, you know, that our life is good and freedom is so important that we will, we will protect it? That we are in control of everything? Well, the, the reality is, even if you can control everything, at the end of the day, you cannot control death. It will come. And there is only one person who has conquered death. As we think about the, you know, the, a person uh, who, in my opinion, uh, helps to illustrate what it means to turn back to God from a life of, um, a, a life of freedom, a life where he could do everything, uh, that person for me is Augustine of Hippo. Not sure if you know his story, but the lady background is the mother, Monica. Uh, Monica is a Christian and prayed for his son, whose passion in life was pleasure, right? Uh, had a mistress, had a child, uh, and, and you would never think that this is Augustine, right, one of the theologians of the church who really made a significant impact for the church. He's, he's known as the doctor of grace. He was the one who taught what grace meant. And so here is a person again who his conversion story goes like this. You know, one day, you know, his mother was praying, but one day he was in a garden uh, and he heard children singing and playing. There was this diddle, you know, pick it up and read, pick it up and read. And he thought that there was God speaking to him. And so he picked up his Bible and opened to Romans 13. And there he read that God's will for him was not to live a life of desire and pleasure, but to put on Jesus. And just like that, he said light came into his, his heart. And he repented, and he realized that, no, it's not autonomy. It has to be God. So that's the first A, autonomy. Uh, the second heading is also another A, is approval. Here we come to the, the, you know, the second, well, the older son, but he, he's mentioned second in the story. Uh, so he's always been in the background, and uh, you know, when the younger son returned, the father welcomed him back with a big party, uh, and when the older son came back and heard this party, we were told that he began to sulk and refused to come in. So the father had to go out to him and plead with him instead. This is what he told his father. 
But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Approval. Uh, this, the older son, second son in the sequence of the story, thought that, you know, or what, you know, wanted to earn his father's approval by doing what is right, uh, what is morally righteous. See, I suspect that Jesus had the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in his mind when he was telling this part of the story. Right? Remember, Jesus is answering their criticism uh, about him you know, extending mercy and grace to the sinners. Uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were people who were trying to gain approval from God by being morally upright and ceremonially clean, except that they were not doing it because they loved God or they understood the God that they loved, right? They, they didn't, they're not doing it because they're, they're already part of the family. Their attitudes reveal uh, that, you know, they see it as, this is how I earn my approval and obedience. I listen to how the elder son describes his obedience. All these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Uh, sounds like the relationship, his understanding of his father's love is a bit warped, isn't it? Uh, and so, friends, if we, keep, if we are obeying God and keeping his commandments only because we believe that that's the only way to gain our father's approval, then we are sadly mistaken about who God really is. The elder son believes that he has to earn God's approval by slavishly obeying God's command. Uh, in fact, he believes his father to be meaner and harsher than he really is. I think many people today you know, have this misconception about God. Again, God is this party pooper out there. He doesn't want us to have fun. And it's all about you know, keeping the righteous requirement. That's how we make him happy. God's approval comes to us freely. Right? That's what the story is about because we are already in a relationship with him. Right? He is already a son. He's not a slave. He's not a servant. Uh, when God asks us to serve him, it's not because, again, we are his slave, but because we are already part of the family. We do it to please God because he is our heavenly father. Listen to how the father responds to the second son. My son, the father, say, you are always with me. Uh, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but he is found. The loss matters to God. God calls the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in context, right? My son, right? The second son, the Pharisees, well, God still loves them. They are the righteous who doesn't need to be told about who God is, or they shouldn't. They're already in the kingdom. They have everything that's been promised by God. And so therefore, the second son, or sorry, the elder son should have the confidence to ask God, now that they are in the kingdom, for things that already are theirs, they should be confident to ask God for the riches of God's kingdom. Uh, again, I kind of want to think about uh, uh, who, 
who in my mind exemplifies this, right? A person who seeks God, who, who, had, who, trans, who was transformed from seeking God's approval to receiving God's grace. Uh, and this is no surprise, but you know the story of Martin Luther. Uh, I think uh, Peter Bofim uh, preached about him. Uh, if anybody was confident that by his righteous action, God would save him, it would have been Martin Luther. And yet he had no peace. Right? There was no peace. He kept thinking that, you know, maybe what I've done is not enough. And again, until he stumbled on Scripture, came to the book of Romans again. Romans 3.21. At first he hated that verse. The righteousness of God was heavy upon him. Until one day he realized that that righteousness from God is Jesus Christ. That he didn't have to do anything. It was already been fulfilled. And that's where he started to realize that, well, he had to turn, he had to repent. And instead of relying on his righteousness, right, he became the person who preached salvation by grace alone. Uh, and so, if, I don't know how, which son you relate to, first or second, but if you are the second son and you're not sure God will give, God, you're already in and you, you can't ask God anything, then go ahead and ask God. Right. Ask God for a young goat to celebrate with your friends. It's yours, essentially. Uh, says the father to the older son. Come in and join the party. Celebrate. Stop sulking. God is throwing a big party and everyone is invited. Whether you think you're the younger son or the older son, Right, this party is hosted by a generous God who wants everyone to be a part of his family. And so, whichever son you relate to, come in, come back, because God the Father is always willing. Right, that's my last and final A. Uh, here you see, he, he's the kind of God who is patiently waiting for his son to return. Uh, and so, for example, in verse 20, he just, you know, was waiting for his younger son to come back. Now notice it's important. Uh, repentance is important. Notice that the father didn't go chasing after him, right, in this foreign country. No, he waited. Because it's important for the son to come back on his own accord. But the minute that repentance happened, the father is there waiting. Right, that's the picture that Jesus wants to paint for us. That's who God really is, that he's waiting for us to repent. And the minute we repent, you know, he'll come to us and accept us and embrace us. Uh, in that context, it's very undignified for a man of his, you know, his status to run, and yet he did. He set aside decorum. He embraced his son, gave him a ring, changed him, I mean, clothed him, and then, you know, uh, put on a big feast. The minute we turn our face towards God, we see that God is already kind of reaching out towards us. And so in replying to the criticism of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, Jesus is saying, the laws matter to God. That's the kind of God that we worship. And because the laws matter to God, they should matter to us. So much so that God is willing to pay the ultimate price to bring them home. Uh, let me bring things to a focus. 
You know that there are three sons in the story, sorry. So you've got the younger son, the elder son, and of course you've got the son who is telling the story. As Jesus tells the story, he's telling the story about his heavenly father. Um, the younger son wanted autonomy. The older son felt like he needed to earn God's approval. And then there is Jesus who realized that for God to be generous, then some, the price has to be paid for that disobedience. I wonder what it's like for Jesus as he tells the story. In order for God to extend his generosity towards us, then God himself must pay that price. And God is willing to do that. Jesus died on the cross to save all of us that we might become his children, his sons and daughters, and that we might have the opportunity to enjoy his party. Let me pray. Um, Scripture reminds us that we ask and we shall receive, seek and we shall find. We come before a generous Father, and so we dare to ask. Lord, tonight we ask for the nations. We ask for those who are lost, who are living, working, traveling around us in Epping, in our area, in Sydney that we have contact with. Lord, we ask for them. We ask that you bring them into your party, be it through us or Christians in, in, in this place. Lord, we want the lost to hear the good news. For ourselves, Lord, we pray uh, that as we celebrate this week the birth of our Savior, that we do it boldly and that nothing will hold us back from extending this great invitation. In Jesus' name. Amen.